The following program, The Kitchen Table Progressives, is sponsored by The Kitchen Table Progressives and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of NewsWeb Radio Company or its management. Welcome to Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson here, inviting you to join us around the table for an hour of casual conversation on law, civics, and politics, driving the current issues, where the menu is progressive and the table manners are unapologetically liberal. On the program this week, well, hey, Christmas is two weeks from tomorrow. Are, are you, you're not even near ready, are you? I mean... Uh, by the way, two weeks from this evening, Christmas Eve, uh, your host, yours truly, will be here. Uh, hope to, you'll join me then if you have a you know a, a few extra minutes or just tuning in, maybe having a uh, you know a, a lovely libation, uh, and you know, I'll have some special things going on. But yeah, a Christmas is a, it's a weird time of year, and it's just like I bet most of you haven't gotten anything. Most of you guys uh, haven't done a damn thing, have you? <laughs> I've done one or two things already uh i'm not that big on a lot of presents anymore i used to be i just kind of like to have a quiet and uh, you know uh just uh, uh you know have food and just visiting more i guess i must be getting old huh but uh anyway there's there's two weeks to go that's plenty of time so you've got uh, lots of time to get but don't let that tickle away don't don't procrastinate or that time will be uh, upon you before you know it, right? Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's the season. It is the season for sure. We're in the swing. I mean, it's, it's what, 14 days, uh, 15 days uh, till Christmas Day. You need to be ready by Christmas Eve. I mean, you, you'll be out there, you know, on the 24th shop, but a lot of you. But the ladies are a little bit more uh, on the ball with it, but uh, guys and me, myself included, there have been times when I've been... <laughs> Really uh, scurrying around trying to get it done. Uh, um, did, it, did COVID kill a lot of the enthusiasm for, for Christmas for a lot of you? I mean, a lot of people are back, glad to be back into it, but somehow it just it just kind of, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people are still lulled about it. And then, uh, I don't know. You, you tell me, and we'll, we'll take calls. Take a lot of calls today if, if you want to. Lines be open. Um Congratulations to the Bears. They sure beat up on the Lions today. Uh, what was it, 28 to 13? Uh, I was a surprise to me uh, that they that they beat the Lions as badly as they did. Um, but that's nice. It's a nice victory for for the Bears. You know, I was a uh, I was born a Detroit Lions fan. I was of course born in Detroit. Uh, but the last time that the Lions won a championship was the year before I was born, and that's been a few years now. Uh, so, you know, I, I rooted for the Lions. I was just a diehard Lions fan. Even after I moved to Seattle, I, I was still a Lions fan, just rooting for the Lions for probably 15 years. And, well, until, until 2006 when, <laughs> when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl. And I thought, and it was in Detroit. Remember, it was in Detroit. Or maybe you don't remember, but I sure do. It was like, um, well, this is kind of fun, you know, the having a... Um, a Super Bowl team, so I, I, I said, you know, I, I don't, 
I can't do the Lions anymore. But, uh, you know, the Lions have had Super Bowls twice. They had it in 1980, Super Bowl 16. And the Lions, I remember being heartbroken that, uh, was I don't know if it was a playoff game or a, it was a cr- critical game of them getting into the playoffs or it may have been a playoff game. And the normally reliable receiver, Detroit Lions receiver, Freddie Scott, dropped a pass in the end zone and the Lions could not go to the Super Bowl, had no chance of making it to the Super Bowl in the Pontiac Sodome in Detroit, or uh, obviously in Pontiac. They moved the, uh, the the Lions out way the hell out of town, which is just wrong. But now they moved back to Ford Field uh, in downtown Detroit, and the Lions held the uh, hosted another Super Bowl in that venue in 2006, and that's when the Seahawks went and lost to the Steelers, I'm sorry to say. But the Seahawks have had two other Super Bowl berths since, one, one of them. And one out of three Super Bowls is not bad, and I, I kind of thought, okay, I don't need to. We'll see what the Lions do this year. They will obviously definitely win the division, but will they succeed? The I was born a Detroit you know, it's, we'll see what happens. Um, so, uh, topics today on, on uh, the progressive, uh, I want to talk about the National Popular Vote Act. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, and uh, some of that. Uh, other things, I didn't get into it last week. I uh, kind of ran out of time. I wanted to talk about the polls, which are completely... Uh, we'll talk about those in a, in, in a, maybe in the second. Uh, the polling showing how close it is, and now everybody's abandoning Joe Biden. Yeah, right. Uh, don't you believe it? Um, I, I'm not saying don't vote because you don't have to. I'm saying that we are being we're just being propagandized by the media. We really are. They don't want to report news. They want to they want a horse race, and that's what we're going to get. So, okay. Um, and then we could talk about the. Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I have a t- different take on it. If we get to it, you know, I'm just kind of, I don't know. It's it's been beat, <laughs> and I don't want to say beat a dead horse because why 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 beat a horse? Any even if it's dead over this, it's just I don't like the slogan. You know, I don't use. I try to be aware of not to use um, cliches that refer to in- killing or injuring animals, even dead ones. Like I, I don't I don't ever say. Um, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Like, why, why do I want to kill two birds? I've, I've actually decided to take the more, uh, I guess it would be kind of the the Jesus approach, you know, the loaves and fishes. I always say, feed two birds with one seed. And isn't that a, a nicer message, really, uh, than killing two birds? That's why I don't like to say beat a dead horse. Or, or any stuff like that. We always refer to. So let me jump into uh, the National Popular Vote Act. But first, I want to talk the about. On January 6th the, is more. I got into this. Uh, I got into this. Uh, it was an argument. Let's face it. With a Republican congressional staffer this past week. I won't say who who he works for, but um, uh, it, it talked about. Uh, you know, they censured this one Democratic uh, congressman uh, for pulling the fire alarm. And he did plead guilty to a misdemeanor in Washington, D.C. because he pulled the fire alarm during the... Oh, God, what, what procedure was it? Uh, he was obstructing, you know. They said he's obstructing a procedure. It's no different than January 6th is what the Republicans say. So I got into this discussion, and if you're going to be talking about this probably maybe with with relatives over the holiday season i want to be i want to make you aware of how 
what to be what to be ready for because it's all the same. Republicans say all the same thing, and it really comes down to the you know what aboutism. What about what about what about the Democrats? And here's what they said. Here's what this guy kept referring to. Trump didn't show up. For um, Republican debate again. He the, this guy said. Um, I said, well, actually, I said, you know, this particular Congress representative, congressional representative, I said, all worried about the fire alarm, but not worried about January 6th and has been an advocate of the big lie. And what this guy said, he was quite an argumentative uh, little cuss, I have to say. Uh, You know, very, very um, bellicose. He he wasn't really there to listen to what I had to say. Uh, He he just wanted to argue back. That's okay, because I appreciated what I learned from his arguments. He said, what about the Democrats? They said that the 2000 election was stolen. They said that the 2004 election was stolen. And Hillary said that the two, Hillary and President Jimmy Carter said that the 2016 election was stolen. And, and Jimmy Carter said that Trump was an illegal president. Uh, and they, he said, they, they said that the 2000, the 2004, and the 2016 elections were stolen. And I said... Okay, so were they? He said, no, it's ridiculous. I said, so, okay, when Democrats said that the Republicans stole the election, you, said, you just said, no, that's ridiculous. I said, so why, why, does Donald, why should we give Donald Trump credence? By your model, we should be saying, yeah, Donald Trump says it's stolen. But that's ridiculous, right? Well, no, he said there, was, there, was a lot, there were a lot of irregularities. I said, ah, they see... That's what we're talking about. No Democrats ever said that those elections were stolen. Nobody said that. Nobody said that. No Democrats said that. In 2000, let me remind you, what Democrats objected to was that the Supreme Court stepped in and said, and stopped the the vote count in Florida. The Florida Supreme Court had already determined that the vote count could continue. And Bush went to the Supreme Court to ask them to intervene. Now, why is that bad? Because the Constitution says that the states will run their own elections. There weren't any federal issues uh, at stake, so to speak, in Florida. There were no federal issues. All the stuff with the hanging chads and all that crap, that was, those, were not, those, are, those are Florida state election issues. That's why we don't have the federal government stepping in just for exactly what the result was. As they stepped in, the Supreme Court stepped in and said that George W. Bush would be irreparably harmed. Irreparably harmed if the vote counting continued? <laughs> how so? Does he have a right to be a president? How, how is that he's harmed if he's not president? You don't have a right to win the election. But this, the, you have to understand that the federal, the Constitution... Again, if you have one, get a pocket constitution. Article two, or sorry, article yeah, article two, section one, paragraph two says that the each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislatures thereof shall decide or determine. I, I don't know which word. I can't remember uh, a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives that the state is entitled to in the Congress. So. This is part of connected to the national vote. But what I wanted to say about that is the, the, your, and I've said this before, your right to vote for president is not a right. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a right that you get from your state legislature. 
because it's the way that your legislature, in fact, all 50 states, the legislatures have determined that the way they will select the electors is by a popular vote. So there weren't any federal issues. The only federal issues that there can be in an election that where the, where the federal courts should intervene is where somebody's constitutional rights are being violated. In other words, their right to vote uh, based on race, right, because that's the 15th Amendment, or gender or sex, that's the uh, 19th Amendment, right? Uh, uh, poll tax, which they cannot do, that's the 24th Amendment, or by age, if you are, are 18 years, if you're of 18 years of age. Based on those things, if you're, if you're being denied those rights, that's, those are federal issues. There aren't any other, the rest of it is been state issues. And so that's the first thing. I'll, I'm going to go forward with that in a minute. But the other thing I said to this guy is, so no, they didn't say, they didn't say that it was stolen. They said there were other issues. In 2000, they said the court, the Supreme Court intervened when they shouldn't have. In 2004, he said, well, they said the election machines were rigged. No, they didn't. No, the Democrats in Ohio. No, they didn't. In 2004, the Democrats said that in Ohio, the electronic voting machines had no paper trail. There were no ballots that they fit in. It was all electronic, and we couldn't determine if the if the votes were really legitimate. That was hard to determine. That was the grievance, that there was no paper trail. That was the grievance. And in 2016, Hillary Clinton said that there was interference. There was Russian interference. No, no Democrat, and so did President Carter, said there was Russian interference. And by that, he said Donald Trump is not a legitimate president. He didn't say he was an illegal president. In, in fact, I don't necessarily agree that he wasn't legitimate. It was interference, but the vote was certified in all of those cases. The vote was certified by the states, and therefore the electors went to their state capitals and elected. In 2000, uh, the court prevented... The state of Florida may not have made it in time, and those... At, at that, in that year, they had to have certified the, the, the electors were to go to the state capitals on December the 18th. Constitution says the electors will vote on the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December, which if you look back at, at the year 2000, uh, the, the first Monday after the second Wednesday in, De- in December was the 18th. So they said, oh, the, the votes, we have to get this settled by the 17th of December. And they told the state of Florida to stop counting votes. Because we have to get this done. Well, no, the, the natural consequence, perhaps, would be that Florida cannot be certified. Florida doesn't get certified. If, they, if it's such a mess that they can't certify it, well, that's what happens. Uh, we'll take your calls at 773-763-9278. I'll continue with this and some other issues. What's on your mind, too? Uh, when we come back here on Kitchen Table Progressive here on WCBT, Chicago's Progressive Talk. We'll be right back. Paul Richardson back with here uh, with you here on uh, Kitchen Table Progressive. 
AM820WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk. And uh, rather than have me uh, run out the mouth, uh, we have some callers. Let's get right to the phones at 773-763-9278. And let's talk to Dave in Hoffman Estates. Dave, thanks for calling. Hey, Paul. Like you, I'm a former misunderstander. And uh, did you ever, I, I believe you once said your mother's still alive yet in Michigan? Yes, Yes, she is. She's uh, she's ninety four. Wow, God bless her. And uh, listen, uh, when you visited or spoke, they ever talk about that Enbridge Line Five? That's uh, yes, I, oil yes, line. I I know something about that. I, I actually know quite a few people in the Michigan and, and Democratic politics in Michigan. I'm you know, pretty well connected with them because my mom was. Uh, before she got too old, she was pretty active in, you know, the party, and I met people through her. Uh, so, yeah, the the, the Line 5 that runs under the Mackinac Strait, it's an oil pipeline, comes from, yeah, Canada. Uh, go ahead. Go, uh, okay, yeah, okay, I'm aware yeah, of it. it. Yeah, okay, very good. Because I tried talking to Tom about this on Friday, and he just really did a real, I don't know if he's got stock in Enbridge or... He kind of tucked his tail on his legs. He didn't really want to talk on that. But um, oh, really? right now, like you said, yeah, I was very surprised. And um, the, you know, the, as like you said, the current pipeline, which sits at the bottom of the street, built back in 1953 with the purpose of transporting oil from Superior, Wisconsin, roughly. And it goes all yeah. the way to the southern part of the UP for like 645 miles. And then that's in a single 30-inch pipe. And then, except right. when it comes up to the to the streets, it's uh, two. It's got two uh, twenty-inch pipes, you know, for four mm-hmm. and a half miles. It goes underneath the lake bottom, and then it right. eventually ends up in Arnia, Ontario. And these seventy-year-old pipes transport up to twenty-two point six million gallons of crude oil and other natural gas liquids per day. Some is refined in the natural through propane and stuff. But uh, if you recall a couple of years ago, one of these pipes had had a anchor, had yes. dented it, had yep. struck it. <laughs> yep, and a ship anchor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a ship anchor dragged on it and, and put, yeah, I don't know if they, yeah. And so, yeah, I remember, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, they were so worried about it, you know, having a, a weak spot or a crack because, like ourselves and that in, in in Illinois and what we get the water from Lake Michigan, you know, a good portion, if not enough. And Wisconsin people get it. And, uh, and my God, that we just, if it happened like in the wintertime, if it burst a little bit, then uh, that would just be catastrophic, you know, and uh, the, um, yeah. and Enbridge, they don't, Enbridge didn't exactly have a good track record. If you recall back about 12 years ago, they had a, that line six B had burst in that Kalamazoo River that time, yep. and that's and so now they're proposing to do a tunnel underneath the bottom of the the lake bed. But the, so the residents are very concerned over the safety and environmental and tribal line concerns. You know, but uh, well, yeah, I know. I think that yeah. Go ahead, go, go ahead. No, anyway, I just say you know that I. I feel like you know that should the word for that should get out there a little bit more because get you know they're getting away with that if they do that and if it did bust you know and you know who knows it's drilling underneath you know the lake bed and that and, uh, 
Well, uh, no, it's, it's just going to be, it's only a matter of time before yeah. it, it ruptures. I mean, that's just, it, all of pipelines yeah. rupture, and whether or not you want, they, they spill a lot, whether or not they want to argue about, um, you know, well, it's they're safer than, you know, tanker trucks. Okay, but wait a minute. Uh, in this case, if, if the pipeline ruptures, it's going to be a mess in Lake Michigan. And if it ruptures in the, I mean, oh. like, as you say, the, the, what little, you know, what, what, how little the people in the states uh, that have, there are eight states that have shoreline on the Great Lakes, how little mm-hmm. they protect their water. It, it's astonishing to me. And, and it also astonishes me that during the Trump administration, the Lake Water Restoration Fund was about $350 million a year. And Trump cut it by like ninety percent. Like, oh, we don't need to fool around with that. And it's yeah. just is the mo- the most amount of fresh water on the on the planet is right there in the Great Lakes. Michigan itself has boasts three thousand miles of shoreline on the Great Lakes because if you see, mm-hmm. you got to trace all the way around the midden, and you got to trace that around the the Upper Peninsula. That's a lot of shoreline. Wisconsin has a fair amount. Uh, Illinois has a lesser amount. Indiana has some. But um, uh, Michigan has shoreline on four of the five Great Lakes, uh, just not on Lake Ontario. And I, I, I think that protecting the Great Lakes is probably one of the most paramount uh, environmental uh, issues. Yeah, uh, and I agree. With- fresh, water, fresh water is just... Uh, and by the way, I got to tell you, I, I don't know why Michigan doesn't take more water from the Great Lakes because where my mom lives and kind of in the center of the, like the, the palm of the mitten. Um, the water there, I was a new for about. Yeah. So, like I said, but you know what they say, Dave? That- yeah. Well, mm-hmm. okay. So here's the other thing they say that oh, this the um, you the youpers need. Um, the, the UP, they, they need all of this fuel because uh, they need the propane, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's – and they think – oh, and they, I was going to say, they they say that trucking is more – okay, but if you're going to take if – you, if you take trucking, trucks across the Mackinac Bridge and one of them crashes, that's just a truckload yeah. full. That's enough. That's not right. a pipeline that will be leaking for probably days until they can cap it, right? Right, and that's good. And they they had also said too that time when they were years few years back that they were pumping that uh, tar sand, you know, the oil oil tar sand in there, and that's another thing. Right, that's good. That old seventy year old pipes, you know, because there's more pressure. In that. Right, and, and exactly, yeah. And doesn't Embridge also? Then they don't they own they weren't they the Keystone? Does Embridge own the Keystone? Right. You got me on that one. They, I'm not certain on that, but I know they've had leaks in that thing even, and that's been trial sure. land and stuff that time. They all have, all the pipelines leak, and it's just, you know, if they want to argue that it, they're safer than tanker trucks, that's arguing like the guns are safer than, uh, you know, than explosives. Uh, uh, you know, it's like, no, yeah. we need to get off of this crap. We need to find more safer, cleaner alternatives than this. We don't, we shouldn't be trucking oil all over the place where you want to put it on train rail cars or whatever. Uh, we need, yeah. we, we, we have the technology and all we need is the political will 
to uh, come up with. We've always had when we have political will, we get things done. When we have when we have political greed, we don't get things done. <laughs> like like uh, somebody one time wisely said, we can live without oil, but we cannot live without water. You know. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we can live. We can live without oil, but we can't live without water. And if, if you want to see uh, catastrophe in the Upper Midwest, uh, you just wait till there's some. And, and plenty. Of, and by the way, plenty of uh, Republicans who would be upset if if the um, you know the the sporting the, the sportsmanship around the Great Lakes was ruined. I mean, they have already said long ago, even when I was still here, that. Um, you shouldn't eat more than one salmon out of Lake Michigan a year, and pregnant women shouldn't eat any because of the mercury content. It's like, wh- oh, come on, yeah. really? You one salmon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, before I get off, we get to somebody else. The uh, when you're talking on the Constitution, I heard one time, and you're up on that stuff. That you know, like these gun rights people are talking about not needing to, like, register or whatever like that because of the Second Amendment. Well, I think I heard somewhere on CPT, either a comedian or somebody had said that uh, the uh, voting, that's in the Constitution, and that's uh, you have to register for yeah. that, and that's like the 15th Amendment. Is that correct? The, uh, yeah, but the, there are several. Uh, well, there's the 15th, the 19th, and the 26th okay. Amendments all have to do with voting. And, uh, you know, as I move, I want to talk about, keep going about the uh, National Right to Vote Act, or National, uh, sorry, not the National um, um, Popular Vote Act will probably, because of the Electoral College would have to be, well, it wouldn't have to be abandoned, but uh, we, if we are going to repeal the Electoral College, we are going to need to have a National Right to Vote Amendment as well. Which would be part of the repeal of the electoral college? Yeah, we'll have to have it because, if you notice, it says we have three things that you cannot discriminate against, or you cannot infringe about people's voting rights: their race, their gender, and their age. <laughs> but there's a lot of other things you can work in there if you want to, and that's where, that's where uh, you know when they after the Fifteenth Amendment uh, in the South they came up. That's where the whole term the grandfather the grandfather clause comes from. Is that they said, well, okay, we can't discriminate on the basis of. Of race, but we can say uh, you can all you can vote if your grandfather could vote. Well, if you were black in those days, your grandfather was a slave, so you if your grandfather couldn't vote, so you neither could you. And then they finally said, no, that's just another way of. They, they went to court and they finally said, no, that's just another way of discriminating on the basis of race, of infringing on right to vote. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, hey, Paul. Let me clear so somebody else. But thanks for letting me get that out there about that Enbridge. You know, I yes, very uh, important. I absolutely agree. Thanks, thanks, Dave. Thanks for calling. All right. And, uh, thanks. thanks very much. Thanks again. Uh, okay. Um, and next up, we have uh, Jim from Chicago. Hey, Jim, what's up? Well, uh, I forgot what your topic was. Anyway, Paul, is there a difference between a poll number and a favorable rating? I mean, the media uses both. Mine's favorable rating is this. There's poll numbers of this. Uh, they seem to be one and the same, but the, uh, is there a nuance between the two numbers? They use, the media uses them to predict the outcome of an election. Uh, okay, recently, well, over, yeah. Over the weekend, real quick, over the weekend, Biden's favorable ratings mm-hmm. slipped 
but his poll numbers stayed the same. Now, I don't know. How do you ask uh, when you're calling a particular individual, do you favor this or would you vote for this? Do you follow any reasoning there? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, but the short answer, um, the short answer that I have about the polls is uh, maybe you've heard this one, Jim, uh, is that uh, the, you can put about as much stock in the polls these days as you can in the two things that everybody has, which is an opinion and a rear end. Otherwise, no, yeah, yeah, right? A lot, exactly. Right? Yeah, no, I, mean, I really, I really. Yeah, I really, I really think that's true, and and the reason is, is they just don't have the, um, they they don't have the sample size. They are not getting the sample size because remember, all of these things are based on some polls. Whether they want to say it's favorable or non favorable, it, it is based on getting some sample size, right? <laughs> well, they have to be. You're just making a number up as you're walking exactly. into the office. I mean, and they're asking <laughs> different questions. They're asking different questions, and people answer. They go, oh, well, I don't." They don't really know what they're. You have to. If they ask a question, you also have to have respondents who are taking the question in a, in the same way, right? Uh, they they have to be kind of thinking about things. Otherwise, you're, otherwise the the validity of what it's measuring. The two things in measurement are. Precision, how closely are you measuring, and validity, which is, are you measuring what you say you're measuring, right? right. That's Those are the two things in measurement, the, the two basic uh, parameters of measurement. And I'll tell you about the polls, Jim, is they are not getting near enough uh, respondents because, and here's what, how I come to this, because we, we knew last year in 2022 that the... Um, the word of the year was gaslighting, and that was because we got it from the pollsters. How oh, the Democrats are in big trouble. The, yet the Democrats took control, total control of Michigan. The Republicans barely eked out a win in the in the in the House of Representatives in the you know the Congress. Uh, it was it was essentially. I mean, they they won by a uh, technical decision really in the Congress, and the Republicans are about to tinkle away their majority in the Congress. And just give them a few more months, and they will, right? I mean, they're down, now they're down. <laughs> it'll be down to one. It'll be down yeah. to one. Yeah. And, and you know yeah. what? And I've already heard people say, as soon as that number goes to two, uh, below 218, even for an hour, they are going to call for a vote for Hakeem Jeffries to be speaker. And he's got yeah, a chance believe to win. I can't believe it. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, that's I if somebody, yeah. right? If somebody, if somebody, yeah. look, they've they've had they had a five vote majority uh, back in September. I think one guy from the Northeast died, and then uh, and then uh, now they just got rid of the the king, the king liar of the Congress, uh, George Santos. He finally, and then Kevin McCarthy says he's leaving. So now they're going to be down to like three or two, right? <laughs> I know. Just I a, know. Yeah, this is like watching. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like we are watching the diminishing. uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, (laughs) It's just the most. You know, I mean, uh, I never seen politics like this in my uh, life. I'm in my early seventies, and I, I just wonder at it. I, I just marvel at it. You know, to have a completely lunatic candidate. We're running away with the GOP nomination, mm-hmm. and nobody can catch them. It's just astounding to me that they can't. Uh, 
Well, I think you talk about... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say about Trump is that he never won the popular vote, and uh, he barely eked out being installed by the electoral... uh, electors in three states, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And I guarantee you that Michigan, uh, Michigan is, the Republicans are so bankrupt in Michigan. They, I'll tell you what, in, in September, I had read that they had 90, the Republican Party in Michigan had $93,000 in the bank. And then they had their big, you know, uh, they have this big party up on Mackinac Island at the Grand Hotel, and they... Where they spent about sixty grand in a weekend on uh, renting rooms, and but they had so they were down to like thirty thousand dollars, and they still hadn't paid the guest speakers for the weekend. Which, by the way, those oh, are going to be about three to five thousand a pop, easy, right? Three to five thousand to be a guest speaker at a place. So they have no money, and then they and then they closed their they closed their party office and and uh, they put up a gone fishing sign, and um, and now they only <laughs> have a PO box. I'm going to tell you. Good. All I can say, good, good. And if you and anybody else visiting, you and your mother know it. Good, that's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to they're get. Yeah, they're going to get creamed yeah. in Michigan, uh, good, and so good, that, there's not going to be any close. There's not going to be a close vote for Trump's got no no. He's got no chance in Michigan. I guarantee you. So that's one good, swing state good. that's not going to swing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. Pennsylvania is in pretty good shape. Pennsylvania's in pretty good shape. Anyway, thanks, Paul. I just uh, you know. What are you going to do? But, but favorable ratings going up and down and poll ratings, yeah. you know, it's not even Christmas time. Anyway, thanks, right. Paul. Have a good week. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. Um, you know, let me just say something about polling uh, sample size. Okay. So what they determined a long time ago in statistics is that uh, it doesn't matter how large uh, you of a a body you're trying to sample that the the um, the the margin of error has to do with um, the square root of the sample size. I I won't go through you know it's, I know people say square root. It's just a square root means like what's the square root of nine? And the question is, well, what times what equals nine, right? And that means three times three. So the square root of nine is is three because something times itself makes nine. Uh, so uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell you an easy way to see how you're being gaslighted on polls. Uh, I'll go through. Make, I'll make the algebra a little bit easier for it to understand. Just a minute, and we'll be right back uh, in a couple of minutes. In two minutes, two seconds. Back here on Kitchen Table Progressive here on AM820 WCPT. Paul Richardson at your service. Thanks for being with me. Uh, let me just finish up a little bit about polling, and then I'm going to get back to the... Oh, by the way, um, sorry, sorry, I just clipped myself off there. That was, that was not a good broadcasting technique. But uh, we still have time for your calls at 773-763-9278 if you want to... Uh, chime in with a comment on anything or what I'm talking about or whatever you want to talk about. That's Kitchen Table Progressive. It's the Kitchen Table. And I'm sitting here by myself at the Kitchen Table just eating my porridge, right? Okay, my my lukewarm porridge. But so I told I was saying about how 
the the um, the the sample size of a survey, which determines the the margin of error, the percent margin of error, has to do with the square root of the sample size. And this has this is very it's it's not linear, so to speak. It's it's a curve, so things can change quickly depending on the sample size and why that's important. I'll show you how to figure out, kind of in reverse, um, how many people did they sample. And then you can see. And the reason this works, by the way, is that they say, they say this, this formula works, this equation works, no matter how many, how big the, uh, you know, the sea of people is. It doesn't matter that there's 300 million people in the the country, this still works. You can still sample, you know, a thousand people and have a 3.3% uh, percent margin of error, which they never do anymore. 3.3% is, they ne- you'll never hear them say that, that. And the reason that works, it works statistically if it's an even distribution of, say, you have a big drum, a big barrel full of Mostly white pills, right? They're like little tablets or, or white marbles. Let's say they're white marbles. And then you got some red marbles and some blue marbles in there, okay? If you turn that barrel and mix it up, mix it up, so that's pretty well mixed up, the formula works under an, on an even distribution. But that's the problem. This doesn't work because America is not an even distribution of political, you know, by geographics or by demographics. It's not even. And it's absolutely not even when you talk when you consider how many people are answering their telephones or who's answering their telephones, whether it's a landline or whether it's a cell phone. It's not an even distribution. So the formula of uh, you know the square root of the sample size being the predictor of the margin of error turns out to be very wrong. And I'm not going to go into because I don't have a. a a, a board here. I don't have a chalkboard here because, and, and most people don't do algebra in their head. I do, but that's only because I'm blind. But here's the deal. Here's how you can figure out how many people they actually sampled. So you take, uh, let's say they, they, if they tell you, they don't usually tell you how many people they sampled. They tell you the margin of error, which most often is nowadays is 4.5%. And that is not good. But I'm going to say I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, uh, let's say they say it's four percent. The margin of error is four percent. Usually, in the old days, they used to say the margin of error is three is three point three percent. That tells me that they had a sample of one thousand people. One thousand. Okay, they don't have anywhere near that now. And when you cut down, when you get to the four and a half percent, it's not even five hundred. And here's how you figure it out. Let's say the margin of error, they tell you, this is a 4% margin of error. Okay, the easy way to figure it out is you just take 100, just take, and you can do this on your calculator, and write this down. I'm giving you a chance to get a pencil or a pen and paper, and you can write this down. And you just say, here's the formula for how many sample size. Just write sample size equals 100 divided by whatever the percent margin of error is. So in the case of 4%, you can say 100 divided by 4.0. And what's 100 divided by 4.0? It's 25, right? Okay, then you take that number and multiply it by itself, you know, again. So I get 100 divided by 4 is 25, times 25 again is 625. That's how many people, theoretically, they call to get a 4% margin of error. 
625 people to get a 4% margin of error. So if they say it's a 4.5% margin of error, you take 100, you divide by 4.5, which gives you about 22.22, and you multiply that again by 22.22, and that gives you under 500. So you're not even at 4.5%. You you're, you just cut it by more than 125. 22.22 times itself is 492. Now let's say it was a 5% margin of error. You take 100, divide by 5.0. What's 100 divided by 5 is 20. 20 times itself again is 400. You see how they're, they're getting down. And I'm here to tell you, what I finally realized is that, okay, when I go to, to canvassing, you know, telephone canvassing at the Democratic, um, uh, you know, near, near where I live, I go in for a shift. I usually get there on a Saturday morning at about 10 o'clock and stay till about 1 or 2 in the afternoon. And I'm telling you, I, it's a good day if I actually, if I get probably six people to answer the phone in four hours, six people to actually answer the phone and probably two of them will hang up and say, I thank you, I'm not interested. And I'll get to talk to two, uh, four of them. I'll actually get something out of four of them. So if, let's say it's five, let's say I ask, actually get to talk to five people, right? And they want to say it's a 4.5 margin of error. That means we need 100 people like me to get through to 500 people. 100? And let's say, what are they paying me? Well, if they're paying me uh, $10 an hour, which they probably won't, they'll take more than that, 100 people times $10 an hour, that's $10,000 just for that one sample. And I'm telling you, polling companies are not going to pay that. They're not going to pay $10,000 to 100 people. And so what they're doing is just, just extrapolating. You're just saying, well, if we could have gotten through to the same people, this is what we think it would be. It's absolute nonsense. It's absolute. These polls, the like I said, um, like I said to Jim, you can put about as much stock in the polls, especially right now, as you can in the two things that everybody has, and that's an opinion and a boo-boo, you know, a rear end. Okay, so when you look at... Um, when you look at these comparisons, Donald Trump is not going to he hasn't he hasn't, got, he hasn't gained any voters, right? He lost by seven million votes. He lost by seven million votes. He's never won he's never won the popular vote. He lost by three million votes to Hillary Clinton and he doubled that, more than doubled that, against Joe Biden. What has he done? I mean, when you think about it, what has he done in the last four years? To say, people say, yeah, yeah, I can see. Boy, he's, he's another William Jennings Bryan. I just have to vote for him. He's so brilliant. He's so brilliant, right? I have to. No. And yet, the unfair thing that the media does is say, well, Democrats just can't run on anti-Trump. They just can't run on how evil uh, Trump is. But that's exactly what Trump's doing. He can't claim anything. He can't claim a record against President Biden's record. I'm sorry. There are too many positives. I talked about it last week. Third quarter growth of 5.2% when we supposedly had all this inflation. No, we've been gouged. We've been gouged, and now everybody's starting to realize that. Uh, it's just, and, and the Republicans are going out of their minds trying to dissuade this or say, oh, that's just not true. I heard a guy, uh, I think it was uh, earlier this, this uh, afternoon, I was surfing around uh, the dial. And one guy was saying, oh, and the Republicans are claiming that, or the Democrats are claiming that this is the, Thanksgiving was the third or fourth cheapest in history. Ha, 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 well, they're not really, and the guy was saying, yeah, well, the turkey was cheap, 
But let's say you have to pay for family to come into town for Thanksgiving dinner. Well, airline rates are through the roof and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, the Charlie Brown parent, wah, 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 wah. The airline rates is Joe, <laughs> Joe Biden's fault? And what does he think? That Joe Biden and the Democrats set prices for everything that there is that's related to holiday gathering? We're talking about the price of the damn Thanksgiving dinner, not how much it costs everybody to get there. They don't all, we don't all have to get there. You know, you could stay home. You don't have to pay for everybody in your family to come. And that's not Joe Biden's fault. And by the way, if Joe Biden did set the prices, they'd be saying, oh, that's democratic socialism controlling the prices and blah, blah, blah. So they're controlling profits. It's just six. You know, they, it's you damned if you do if you damned if you don't. That's their whole thing. And that's the way they operate. They don't have anything to offer. Donald Trump, so what could Donald Trump do to say, other than say, Joe Biden, the corrupt Biden family? Okay, he says they're corrupt and in cahoots with China. But didn't, didn't Donald Trump just say, like the week before last, at one of his, uh, one of his big uh, gatherings, that he said, I'm very close friends with President Xi. Yeah, by the way, guy is made, uh, he's, he looks like he's made of granite, very strong man. And he, he runs 1.4 billion people with an iron hand. Do, do will the American people ever put up with the notion that Joe Biden runs us? Donald Trump said he runs them. He runs you. I run you. I own you. And yet we're supposed to, we're supposed to think that, uh, that that's all Donald Trump has is uh, the, corrupt, the uh, corrupt Biden family, crime Biden crime family. Well, none of the Biden crime family... Well, okay, Hunter Biden's been indicted, but that's not Joe Biden. And by the way, that doesn't that definitely shows that there's no favoritism in the Justice Department. It's not it's not a weaponized Justice Department Justice Department against against Donald Trump if Joe Biden can't even get his son out of trouble, or maybe he won't. Right? Maybe he doesn't because he plays fair. What is Donald Trump? He's done nothing. Donald Trump did nothing. You talk about getting people out of trouble. Donald Trump pardoned two hundred of his criminal friends before he left office. And he's talking about, oh, yeah, the criminal. Yeah. So Donald Trump doesn't have anything other than to say that the Bidens are corrupt, when clearly Donald Trump is corrupt and still facing all these charges. He doesn't have a record. He could say um, he can't say that he hasn't accomplished anything in the past four years that would, would, would indicate that he is a better bet to make your life better. And by the way, you are better off now than you were when Donald Trump left office, when you want to say, well, are you better off now than you were four years ago? You damn right you are. Yes, you are. Four years ago, we had COVID and we had an economy that had contracted by 31%. An economy that was in the toilet from COVID. And yeah, I do blame Donald Trump for that. Yes, I do. I'm politicizing the issue. That's what you're supposed to do. Politicizing means, politicizing means, what are the issues and whose policy... And whose resp- policies are responsible for them? That's what politicizing it means. And yeah, I'm politicizing COVID by saying that the people that were in charge, that being the federal government, and if they want to say it was an attack on us by China, it's even more their fault. That's what, that's what the federal government is supposed to do, protect us from attacks from abroad. And if it was a, if it was a bio attack, I don't believe that, but if that's what they want to say, then it's even more Donald Trump's responsibility. So if he wants to compare his term in office, which had a, which he drove the, the economy that he was riding on, the 
second-term Obama economy that he was riding on, he drove into the ground. And if you want to compare that to what Joe Biden has done in creating 14 million jobs and having robust economic growth, passing uh, the, the infrastructure bill, you hear that uh, WCPT, that, that ad, that uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, they didn't pass the Build Back Better Act, remember, because that would have required the rich to pay taxes. The bipartisan infrastructure bill got passed, was passed. Why? Because the Republicans would only vote for that because it did not require raising any taxes, and it all came from what? Then that's right. We borrowed the money. We put it on the national debt. And what, that's what they vote for. They voted for that. That's the one they voted for, was, was, was uh, blowing up the national debt some more. Because, God forbid, that they cannot pay taxes. They want the stuff, but they don't want to pay for it. Right? Okay. So I don't see how Donald Trump has it's not got... It's anybody has said. Uh, people did. I don't think that Donald Trump has gathered any favor. And going back to, so the National Popular Vote Act, which I was going to get to, is simply a bill that I'll get to next week. Because, oh no, we're all out of time. But that gives you something to look forward to, right? Is that I will, uh, you know, if uh, God willing and the creek don't rise, I will talk about the National Popular Vote Act next week. I promise you I will. And I'll tell you why it's important and why you should have your legislators uh, vote for it uh, and make sure that they do in Illinois and wherever you're listening. So anyway, thank you very much for joining me here on Kitchen Table Progressive. I'm Paul Richardson, your host. Uh, Join us again next Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. immediately following the family meeting right here on AM 820 WCPT. Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. That's heartlandsignal.com. We'll see you next time.